Thank you, Steve. Tommy Jean. Y'all remember them in prayer at the 11 o'clock service. Uh, their daughter, Dee, is graduating, and they're going to be singing a song, not the same song. I, I think I'd rather preach than sing. You know that? I, or try to preach. Excuse me. All right. No. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, you are worthy of our praise and of our committing our hearts and lives to you. And, Lord, I just pray that we'll do that. I pray that prayer for myself, Father. It's so easy to outwardly talk the talk of of serving Christ, but it is so hard to really surrender our hearts and our lives and to allow your lordship to be over every area of our lives, most especially being, being parents and grandparents. And fathers, we've been studying Deuteronomy chapter 6 about the role and responsibility of parents. Lord, I just ask again that your word, even though these words were written thousands of years ago, but because they are your word spoken to, to men, Lord, I pray that they'll come alive in our hearing. Lord, all of us could do better as parents and grandparents and Lord, I just pray that we would not surrender and give up, but, Lord, we would seek your wisdom and guidance to be the best Christian parents that we could be. So, Father, pray in these moments ahead that you'll speak to every heart, and, Lord, truly that we'll hear from your word this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Follow as I read again Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and ordinances which the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, Moses is speaking, that you may do them in the land which you're going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's sons, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of our fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. You know, every time I've read this passage of Scripture, it seems like something new was pointed out to me. And in these nine verses, please notice that God speaks to us, number one, as individuals. In verse 1 and 2 and 5 and 6, God has a plan for each one of our lives. And let me just, let me, I'm not going to get Fran to go back and look at the verses again, but just look at verse 1 in your Bible. These are the statutes and ordinances which the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. This is God's message for us. He's got a plan for our life. And again, this passage of Scripture reveals that plan. Secondly, not only did God speak to individuals, but he spoke to the nation in verse 3 and 4. Verse 3 says, Hear therefore, O Israel. In verse 4, Hear, O Israel. And as a result of God speaking, 
to individuals and as to the nation, then God points out that he has a specific role and he speaks to parents beginning in verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Folks, I believe this passage of Scripture, although it is a very ancient passage of Scripture, sets the stage for you and I to understand that if we want to be a godly type of woman, wife, mother, or grandmother, or a godly type of man, husband, father, and grandfather, and even as a nation, before we can do all these things, we must be in right relationship with God ourselves. Now, I would again confess to you that being a Christian uh, woman or man, wife or husband, father or mother, grandfather, grandmother, these are some of the hardest roles in life, in our life. But God gives instructions to every generation. He gives instruction to every nation, and he gives instructions to you and me. Let me point out once again the five, I believe, instructions that God gives in these nine verses. God's instruction to Israel and every generation of followers. Number one, fear the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, 2, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son. This was for the entire family. Fearing God is not something that the older generation needs to do. It's for everyone. Number two, obey the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, 2, by keeping his statutes and commandments. Deuteronomy 6, 3, hear, O Israel, and be careful to do them. And let's back that up with the words of the Lord in the New Testament. And John chapter 14, verse 15, and other verses. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If a man loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we, look at this phrase, we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. The third instruction, have no other gods but the Lord. Verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The fourth instruction is how we are to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might. And after we've got these things all in place, after we fear the Lord, obey the Lord, uh, uh, make him the one God of our life, after we love him, then we can begin to teach our children. Did you see that? Isn't that remarkable? And I've never seen that until recently, that then when we are in right relationship and walk with God, when his words are upon our heart, then we can teach them diligently to our children. Well, folks, we want to begin uh, two weeks ago when we got through uh, fearing the Lord. I mentioned three things that I want to repeat about the fear of the Lord. The scripture teaches this about what a healthy fear of the Lord has in, in, in its makeup. There are at least three elements of a healthy fear of the Lord. And let's point those out, okay? First of all, we fear the Lord because he is our creator and we show him the reverence he deserves. Now, that sounds real simple, doesn't it? But you and I are living in a world in which we're trying to explain our creation without God being there. And I'm not going to get off in all of that, and I'm not trying to sit here and throw stones at other people. But, folks, at the very beginning, according to the word of God, God was there. He is our creator. 
and we should fear him. This is a reverential fear as our creator, and he deserves that reverent fear. Number two, this healthy fear uh, is in our hearts because Jesus is our Savior, and we fear him for out of love for his finished work of redemption and salvation. And a third element of a healthy fear of God We fear God because we know one day we will stand before him, lost and also as a Christian, we will stand before him. Romans uh, 14, 11, and 12 says that each of us shall give an account of God. And I want you to know that God said that. That's not just something that a preacher would, would preach to you about, but that's what God said. Everyone will give an account of him. So that was the first instruction that God spoke through Moses. Let's get to the second one. God's second instruction in Deuteronomy 6, the last part of verse 2 and verse 3, is obey the Lord. Obey the Lord. Now, let me ask you something. Do you have any trouble doing this? And, and I hope there's two questions you're, you're asking. Which commandments am I to obey, and how long should I obey them? Listen to verse 2. By keeping all his statutes and commandments which I command you, and listen to this, all the days of your life. Folks, God expects his children to obey all his statutes and commandments all of the days of their life. Now, that's pretty simple, but that's pretty profound. If God said it, he expects us to obey it, not momentarily, not at certain stages in our life, but throughout our lives. And again, I remind you what Jesus said. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he who does not love me does not keep my words. Well, how does God feel about obedience? Let me read this verse out of 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. The background of this story, King Saul had disobeyed God. And he'd hid from God what he'd done. Now, what he, he was doing, he was making a monument to himself in his own pride, and God had given specific instructions, but Saul had not followed them. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices in obeying, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of lambs. Let me read that verse to you out of the Living Bible. Samuel replied, Has the Lord as much pleasure in your burnt offerings and sacrifices as in your obedience? Obedience is better than sacrifice. Folks, listen to this. Obedience to God is more than being outwardly religious. You know, you and I can come to church and thank God that you're here, and I'm going to repeat this again in just a moment. I thank God that you are here, but you know what God wants more than simply our presence at church? He wants us to obey him each and every day of our lives. Do you and I have problems obeying God as individuals and also as parents? Well, folks, let me point some things out, okay? What is keeping us from obeying God in our lives? And, and I've got four things down that I, I pray that will help you because I struggle with all four of these things, okay? Number one, we struggle to obey God because of our sin nature. Even as a believer, as a person who's been born again into the kingdom of God, as a Christian, you and I so often rebel against God by resisting 
and rejecting God's will, God's word, and God's spirit. And let me point out a passage of scripture that helps us deal with that in Romans chapter 7, beginning with verse 15. And I hope that you'll either turn to this in your Bible or you will look at it on the screen. And this is out of the the living Bible. And folks, if this doesn't describe each one of us, I don't know a passage of Scripture that does. Remember, the person who writes this is the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest evangelists and preachers that the world has ever known. And he struggled every day with being obedient to God. Listen to this. I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what is right, but I can't. I do what I don't want to, what I hate. I know perfectly well that what I am doing is wrong and my bad conscience proves that I agree with these laws I am breaking. But I can't help myself because I'm no longer doing it. It is sin inside me that is stronger than I am that makes me do all these evil things. I know I am rotten through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't, and when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. Now, if I'm doing what I don't want to, it is plain where the trouble is. Sin still has me in its evil grasp. It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned. But there's something else deep within me, my lower nature, that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. In my mind, I want to be God's willing servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. Now, folks, if we didn't have this verse right here, you and I would just throw our hands up and quit. But listen to this. So you see how it is. My new life, the life in Christ, tells me to do right, but the old nature that is still inside me loves to sin. Oh, what a terrible predicament I'm in. Who will free me from my slavery to this deadly lower nature? Thank God it has been done by Jesus Christ our Lord. He has set me free. Folks, listen to what Paul is saying. Anytime you and I want to really give our hearts and lives over to God, there's going to be a battle within our hearts. There's going to be that battle of the old nature, that person that we were before we became a believer, and the battle of the new nature, being in Christ. And folks, without you raising your hand, I'll raise mine so often. In daily living, the old sinful nature wins out. It's kind of like being on a diet. You say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to eat certain foods during the day, and guess what? Somehow, some way. I'll visit somebody's house and they've got a new cake they baked or somebody will say, well, I just fixed some homemade ice cream and, and there goes the diet. And I believe many of us leave church on Sunday morning saying, I am really going to serve the Lord this week. I'm going to watch what I say, what I do. I'm going to tell someone else that Jesus has changed my life. And before we get past Monday morning, something has happened and we're back in that war. Folks, it is hard to obey God because still within us is that desire to resist God's will and his word and his spirit. And folks, I know from my own experience that probably many of you sitting in this congregation this morning, you are fighting against something that God wants you to do right now. I'm not talking about right this moment. You're fighting against something that God wants you to do. Folks, 
The only way that we can win the battle is to surrender completely and totally to Christ. And that's why obeying him is so important. But there's a second reason that we fight against obeying God. And that's the influence of the ungodly world that we live in. Now, again, I'm not up here to throw stones at the rest of the world. But, folks, the world has been blinded and corrupted by Satan. God in both the Old Testament and the New Testament desires that his people be holy, and that means set apart for him, leading uh, lives that are in obedience to him. Paul encouraged the Roman Christians, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Satan does not want you and I to be obedient, so he tempts us to be disobedient. And folks, if you look at the life of Jesus immediately after he was baptized and began his public ministry, what happened next? You remember? He's led out into the wilderness to be tempted by who? The devil. Folks, he is led out into the wilderness to disobey God. And I want to point something out. There are at least four ways that Satan will try to keep you and I from being obedient to God. I think I hit on this a little bit at the 11 o'clock service two weeks ago. So if you were in the 11 o'clock service, forgive me if I repeat myself. But folks, one of the reasons or one of the ways that Satan will tempt us to be disobedient is because how many of us want to not be different, not wanting to be different than the world around us? So often, and, and this is especially, I believe, a temptation to our young people. Young people, and I... It's been a long time, but I can still remember you wanted to be a part of the crowd. But the problem with that is so often the part of the crowd that we become is not the Christ-like crowd, but the unchrist-like crowd. And I wonder how many young people have been pulled into drug abuse and alcohol abuse and what is termed, I understand, recreational sex because everyone else is doing it. And I can still picture this in my mind. This is going to perhaps sound to you a very silly and stupid illustration. But when we first moved to Roxboro, we had a dog named Snickers. That was the name that the children gave him. And, and he did look like a Snickers bar, the, the tan color that he was. Snickers was always one of the healthiest dogs. And he went around the neighborhood with three other dogs, Susie, a bulldog, Molly, a black lab, and Sparky, who had some Cocker Spaniel in him. Susie the Bulldog had accidentally been run over and had to have one of her back legs amputated. Molly had accidentally run out in front of a car and broken her hip and had pins put in it. And Sparky was having a bad day, and all three of those dogs were walking around on three legs. And I looked, and here come Snickers, my dog, and he had one of his legs up like he was injured too. And folks, here's my point. We do not want to be different. Am I telling the truth? And Satan uses that. And young people, I want to tell you something. Satan will try and pull you into the wrong crowd by that desire to be like everybody else. But let me tell you something. And I'm saying this to me. If we are going to be like Jesus Christ, if we are going to obey him, we will be different than the world around us. And it's hard It is very hard to say, well, I'm going to be different. My life is going to be different. But it is only when we are following and obeying the Lord Jesus Christ that we are at our best as a witness for him. And parents, I want to tell you something. 
It is when we are at our best, when we as parents are obeying the God-given directions for being men and women, moms and dads. A second thing that Satan will do to tempt us from being uh, obedient is because, you know, Satan, I believe, has always, he's always been a liar. And one of the first things that Satan will say to us if we seek to obey God is you're going to miss out on something. Have you ever had that experience? And I want to ask you, what is Satan telling you that you will miss out on if you become obedient to Christ? I'll never forget, uh, right after I became a Christian, and it was at the end of my junior year in high school, a bunch of my friends came up to me and said, well, you know, I really feel sorry for you. Look at all the things you aren't going to be able to do. Look at all these things that you're going to miss out on. And, you know, from the very beginning, when Satan tempted Adam and Eve, Satan tempted them to believe that if they obeyed God, they'd miss out on life. And there is in our world today those who would say, if you surrender your heart and life completely to Jesus Christ, you're going to miss out on a lot of things. I was reading a devotional a couple of weeks ago, and, and the devotional was based on this concept. If we obey God and yield to his plan, here's some things that we'll miss out on. Here's some things that will not be in my life and your life if we obey God. Number one, fear the future. You know, before I trusted Christ as my personal Savior, I was afraid of what the future held. I knew that on that day, and I'd never read my Bible, never went to church, but I knew, like Romans 14 says, that one day I would stand before God and give an account of my life. And I thought he was just going to zap me and send me right straight to hell. And I feared the future. I feared that day when I would breathe my last. But folks, let me tell you something. When we obey God, when we obey his son and obey his word, we know that we will spend eternity with him in heaven. You know, the future is a done deal because of Christ and because of the cross. And folks, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what's going on in our world today. The future is in his hands and all is safe and all is well. There's something else that we'll miss out on when we give our hearts and lives in obedience to Christ. We'll miss out on depression and anxiety. Now, I want to stop just a minute. Yes, as Christians, we do become discouraged and anxious. But God will sooner or later give us victory after his purpose has been accomplished through whatever is causing discouragement and anxiety. But folks, overall, the anxiety and depression that you and I face as Christians is different because when we obey God, he gives us peace. And that peace that God gives us is different from what the world gives. Listen to Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a peace that comes from knowing the Lord Jesus Christ that the world cannot explain and that the world cannot give. And again, I, I don't want the young people to think I'm picking on them this morning, but I hear a lot of young people talking about how stressed out they are, how hard their life is. And I hate to tell you this, and I'm not trying to be a smart aleck, but you don't know nothing yet. I mean, life is tough. But let me tell you about a Savior who walks beside you. Life is tough being a parent, isn't it? Would you say amen to that? You have raised children. 
But guess what? We got a Savior who walks beside us. And a Savior who we know, even when our children are out of our sight, even when our children are involved in, in things they should not be in, we just have to turn them over to the Lord and we get peace through that. Amen? And folks, let me tell you something else we'll not miss out on if we obey Christ, and that is loneliness. You remember what we read in John fourteen twenty three? Let me Let me just read that again. Jesus says to those that obey him, we will come and make our home in him. What is he saying? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit will come and make their home in our lives. Folks, Jesus will never leave us. And the more we obey him, and he doesn't, he, he doesn't stay with us because we obey him, but that opens the door for him to become more involved in our life. But Jesus promises that he will never leave us or forsake us. Let me tell you something. When I became a Christian, I understood good. I didn't think any other young people went to church. I didn't think any other people, young people, read their Bible or prayed. I mean, I, I, I just had not been around that many Christian young people. And I thought that I'll not have any more friends because I've given my heart and life to Christ. And after I asked Christ to come into my heart, one of my second prayers was, Lord, give me friends. Give me Christian friends. And I am proud and thankful to tell you that I have found there are more people who are following Jesus Christ who wanted to be my friend than I could have ever imagined. And as a child of God, the onlyness, only loneliness that you will feel is that which you impose on yourself and myself as we abandon the will of God for our lives and we stay away from his people. Satan doesn't want you to think that you'll have many friends as a Christian, but let me tell you something, the woodwork's full of them. Amen. And thank God for Christian friends. And there's a fourth thing that we'll not miss out on, and that's life with a purpose. When we are obedient to Christ, our lives are filled with his purpose. Let me read again Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. And there's another thing you'll not miss out on, and that's the guilt of sin. How many of us have things to happen in our life and we just feel so overwhelmed with guilt? Sometimes we have that happen to us as Christians. But folks, there's a very special verse in my heart and in my mind that helps me, and that is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Folks, like Saul of the Old Testament, when we disobey God, we become disheartened, disillusioned, discouraged, out of the will of God, and we remove ourselves from the many blessings that God has for us. But when we obey God over and over again, he, he provides blessings for us. And here's the final thing I want to say in, in regard to obedience. You know, sometimes we substitute outward action for inward obedience. Jesus told this to the Pharisees, so you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. You see, God sees our inward part, and in that inward part are we obedient in the heart, or do we make substitutes? And again, I want you to understand something. I thank you for coming to church and coming so faithfully. 
But folks, do we substitute a couple hours at church on Sunday for living for Jesus Christ Monday through Saturday? Do we substitute a 30-minute sermon or a Sunday school lesson for time spent in personal Bible study and prayer and worship during the week? Do we substitute singing the hymns and praising God at church for being silent at home and at work in community and at the store for the Lord? And you might be wondering, well, what does this have to do with being a Christian parent. This is it, and I'll close. Children tend to follow the example set at home, and they'll imitate their parents. Have we modeled obedience to God before our family? Do our children know that one of the top goals of our life is to be faithful to God? And that's what this is speaking about. Is it too late for our world to be turned around? Absolutely not. But it will happen when the people of God stand and have more than an outward religion, but an inner living relationship with Jesus Christ. Folks, it is a, it is a time in which we need revival badly, but the revival will come when we fear the Lord, when we obey him, when he, we make him the only true God. And when we love him with all our heart, mind, and soul. Let us pray. Father, I pray that your spirit will take your word and penetrate our hearts. God, it is so hard to be obedient because that sin nature in us wants to continue to rear itself up. And, and Lord, so often we're led astray by Satan. So often we don't want to be different than the world about us. So often, Father, we want to be in control. So often we substitute outward action for inward obedience. But God, speak to our hearts about following you. And Lord, I especially pray for parents here. I pray for myself, Lord, that we would truly set a good example at home for our children to see. And I pray that as they grow up, as... They have memories of us one day. They'll say, well, my mom and dad, they feared God. They obeyed God. They put him first in their life, and they loved him. Bless all of our homes, and bless now these moments of invitation. In Jesus' name.